0: This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod Bay doors, please, Hel. Hello,
1: Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Do you read me out? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. I read you. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal.
0: Come on down and I jump, jump of this
1: off. shit. Sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
0: Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies from first-time directors, indie films, art house, and much, much more. Today on the podcast, we talk the 2004 Sundance Stunner directed by Shane Carruth, titled Primer. This is Carruth's first feature film and follows two engineers in their journey to the beyond. After friends Abe and Aaron accidentally discover a form of looped time travel, they build a bigger version of their experiment capable of transporting a human into the future, only to discover that it may be best not to meddle with a version of your future self. The film gained attention after its Sundance Grand Jury Prize and garnered a limited theatrical release in the United States. I'm Gabe Wienendahl, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast. I'm joined by my co-host and partner, Mr. Alan Martindale, veteran podcaster and editor.
1: Alan, how the hell are you? I think my brain's broke after this one. Yeah, there's a lot. I don't think it works. There's a lot to unpack here. It's. I don't. I. I, I like to do a lot of prep for the show. I watched this movie and I. I thought it was good, but I don't. I don't understand what was happening, so I'm hoping you can kind of clue us in a little well, bit. Well, I think
0: we're going to walk through. I think that's how we're going to start, because I think anybody who... First off, I have to say one thing. As you know, I like the uh, I like uh, poster art. I like concept art for movies. You've got the concept art behind you on the TV there, for those that can see this on YouTube. Along with... Is that Tommy Lasorda back there?
1: It is. It's... it's uh... Signed my my grandpa knew him, so it's signed to me oh, when I was cool. a little kid. He says to Allen, a future Dodger from Tommy Lasorda. Never <laughs> panned out to be a future Dodger, but uh, what about I little do league right Dodger here. though? No, I think I played for the Reds you're, like two years in a row. You're on the Reds two years, little yeah. league. Yeah, hit a home run one time, my claim to fame.
0: I hit a foul home run, if that counts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Technically, I, I I literally don't think it does count. Oh darn it.
0: <laughs> it did go over the fence though. It just happened to be on the foul pole.
1: Mine was uh this is so pathetic. Mine was a uh, in the field home run. <laughs> we were playing. <laughs> I'm the not going to lie to you. In- that might be worse than the foul. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, we were playing the worst team in the league. They were the blue Jays and they were terrible. And I, I hit it and they just could not figure out how to throw the ball and get me out. And I, 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 I think I even batted in a couple other runners, too, so that was fun.
0: Got some, some ribbies on that, and you scored. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I peaked when I was
0: eight. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was an Angels man myself, so uh, yeah, good times in Little League. I, yeah, I gotta, yeah. I digress. I got to say on this concept art, uh, because I saw the poster behind you, and that's kind of what got me thinking about it. We know I like it. Uh, there's a there's a, uh, a slogan a tagline on this concept art it says the headiest most singular science fiction movie since Kubrick made
1: 2001 uh, okay I, I I followed the logic there I think this is more realistic and this that sounds stupid because this is a movie about time travel but I think it's more realistic yeah, I'm not than I'm not saying it's fair to
0: compare this to 2001 I'm simply right. saying, That is a very lofty tagline. If you put Kubrick, his name alone in your tagline,
1: be careful. Be careful. Be careful. And normally I would say, you know, I was probably a marketing person or whatever, but Shane Carruth, the director, pretty much did everything for this film. He wrote it. He directed it. He starred in it. He edited it. He cut it. He did the score for it. uh, He produced it. So he is, I mean, I don't know if you looked at the, the credits, but holy cow. I yeah, mean, this pretty, is a one-man band.
0: Pretty remarkable. Uh, this is also a film that I think hits on two of our prerequisites for the podcast. Uh, we've, we've deviated from those a little bit in terms of first-time filmmakers, indie films, and art arthouse. Uh, this is definitely his first feature film, and it's also an independent film by all stretch of the imagination.
1: Very independent, $7,000 budget. And most of that went to the film processing.
0: $7,000, if I'm not uh, incorrect here, shot on a 16 millimeter uh, film stock. So yeah, I mean, extremely tight budget. Very From that perspective, before we get into the story, Once again, very impressed. You know, the filmmaker apologist in me, Alan's gonna come out and be like, "Man, this guy did his
1: shit for seven grand." He did. He he was a software engineer, and he gave it up to make films. And he's got he's got a more impressive acting career than he actually does directing. He's only directed two features, and it's this one and another one called Upstream Color, which I have not seen. But I I wanted to start out the show before we get into the, the the headiness of this thing and try and dissect this crazy story first of all before I say anything if you're watching this or listening to this stop what you're doing hit pause go go check out this movie yes because I I am I really want to know just on one viewing how much people get out of this how much they understand from this uh, because there, there's so much going on it's very very complex but you know you're watching something good something well put together but I wanted to ask you Gabe before we, we get into the, the story, just based on on direction and filmmaking skill and craft, are you intrigued to watch his other film, Upstream Color? Yeah, I
0: think that's a good question. So for me, uh, absolutely. I was for a first time filmmaker, extremely uh, impressed. One of the things I put on my notes was, you know, one of when you're learning to make films, and even as you're you're making films and you've grow in your own skill set, and I continue to try to find my own path, so to speak. It's interesting. I I always observe and notice where they position the camera, how they use the camera to tell the story for a first. And being a film teacher, and you know this better than anyone, uh, being a filmmaker and also just going to school and things like that. When you look at student films, one of the things that always lacks in a student film, and the reason I bring up student films is because these are first time filmmakers going out and trying to learn the craft, but one thing that always is lacking in a student film is, is first coverage, but then secondly, the ability to manipulate and position the camera in certain areas of, of the subject and, and the characters to actually help uh, lend a hand to the story. For me, on a first-time filmmaker, this guy has a pretty good grasp on film grammar, uh, film positioning, where to place the camera, uh, and especially, I don't know his history, but coming from that, he's a technologist, he's a software guy. So coming from that background, I was super impressed with his ability to, to place the camera. And then additionally, uh, and you're an editor and I'm an editor and that's, that's our bread and butter, you, you go, wow, this is edited extremely well extremely well and one thing I read about his process was it basically almost killed him in post and he edited this thing and it took him almost to the brink of losing his mind literally and and it and it took him a lot of time I think it was 24 months two years something like that to finish this film but when you watch it editorially from the film craft hell of a job
1: yeah um I was actually going to comment on what a nightmare this had to be. I hadn't read that about about what post-production did to him, but what a nightmare trying to piece this story together is. And I don't know. I I'm sure there are editors out there who could make it more clear for sure. I, I just, but for him to be able to do this, this is a very ambitious project. For a first time filmmaker, especially when you're talking about the editing and the story and everything that goes into this very ambitious. So I can understand how he could get really caught up in trying to cut this thing very precisely. And it would drive me crazy. I, The whole time when I was watching this, I was thinking <clears throat> I was thinking about the edit and I don't know that's kind of how my mind works. Like as an editor, that's kind of, you know, your mind goes to that. And and watching this one, I don't know how I would have even begun to piece this thing together. It's a mess. Like it's kind of a mess, but it's a mess that makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of
0: convolution in this, in this story. I mean, it's very heady. I mean, even before you get into the edit, if you think about writing the script, the dialogue is verbose. It's wordy. It's complex. It's confusing in a lot of ways. It's very visceral. I imagine I'm not a, I'll, I keep saying technologist, but I'm not a software engineer. Uh, I know there's a lot of complex jargon that goes with that. And it so right out the gate, he's he's putting up a wall, at least for a lot of people. I read somewhere too that he just didn't care. So in other words, he's like, I'm going to write this, according to the visceral reality of being a software engineer and being a tech guy uh, or person. And uh, it, it shows. It shines through that way. And it, that that's what partly, I think,
1: makes it confusing to follow. And another thing he does that I think is really, it makes it challenging for him and for us as an audience, is he's really vague about certain things, too. They, they reference certain characters that you never see. They reference certain... Uh, situations that you never see that are never on camera that are vital to the story and i didn't even here's what i had to do this movie confused the hell out of me so much that i was like all right i'm gonna go to the the ultimate trusted source in the world right now and that's youtube i'm gonna go to youtube and youtube's gonna explain (laughs) this film to me so i can understand what's going on and i watched a video that was as concise as it as it could possibly be to describe the plot and the story. And I'm still confused. I still don't know what the hell is happening. Well, but, go but ahead, th- I mean, with that said, I still enjoyed the film, which is usually if you get caught up and you get confused in a movie, you're taken out of it. Right. But for some reason may- I think there's something about the independent spirit going on in this film that really kind of sucked me in it and kept me there.
0: Yeah, I think that has a lot to, for me too, I, I agree with that. Uh, I had to go in and start really dissecting it afterwards and really doing my homework because I think I basically came out just as confused as you. And so I want to walk through it. I think this is a good way for us to kind of dissect it. We may or may not come up with a conclusion here and there may not be, and we may not even, uh, what's, the, what's the way to say this? We may not even discover the, the, the science approach to it. But uh, I did find on uh, good old Wikipedia, we got YouTube, Wikipedia, Google, I mean, all the basics in, in, in uh, pure and unadulterated academic research. And <laughs> so I pulled All up, the
1: things that as a, as a teacher, you would tell your students not to use. Yeah, go to get your sources <laughs> from only the best. Uh, <laughs> right, right, exactly. Google
0: it. And so under Wikipedia, there's this diagram now... Alan, I want to share this with you because I'm actually going to want to walk through this. I found this to be pretty useful. Can you see this thing? It says time travel primer. Yep. In primer. So those watching can see it because it'll come up. But those listening, it's basically uh, a a diagram in basic kindergarten illustration (laughs) of the process of this film when it comes to the time travel aspect. This helped me a little bit but I don't know that I have complete clarity quite yet. But I think if we combine our brain power and our 74 IQs, that we can make a 150 IQ and understand this thing.
1: (laughs) That's how it works, right?
0: (laughs) So I'm actually, we're literally going to walk through this step-by-step and see if this even helps. So here we go. Time travel and primer. Original person on undisturbed timeline decides to time travel so me or you we decide to time travel they activate a delayed switch and leave the area to avoid encountering the double
1: okay okay i'm i'm already confused but
0: yeah where did the double come from okay we'll get into it let's keep walking through it. right okay okay it, th- by the way, there's a machine here, right? So that's what they're activating.
1: So they, they build, uh, the, the two characters, Aaron and, um, Abe. and Abe, they create kind of in a, inadvertently, they create a time machine. And the way it works from what I understand is you get inside the box and it's almost like a time loop and you're on, you're on one side of the loop. And, and I don't, I don't know if, if you're time traveling, when you get in the box the first time or if you're just sitting in the box, but then you get out of the box, you do whatever you want to do. In this case, they're trying to find out which stocks, uh, will be profitable. Then they get back in the box and they go back in time. Right. And it's not long. It's it's like a couple hours. So it's not like there's, they're going like super far. Okay. Okay. Uh, But when you break it down like that, that's understandable. Okay. That's understandable
0: because that's basically back to the future. Three with Biff. Going looping forward in time, giving himself the almanac and then going back and making bets to become rich back to the future of two. Sorry, I said three. That makes sense to me. Okay. right. So why couldn't we just have Doc Brown hit his head on the toilet, invent the flux capacitor and make a DeLorean to travel
1: into the future? That's too simple because because Shane Carruth, the director and writer, he did say he was not interested in dumbing it down for anybody. Well, he doesn't because... And he and, doesn't and by the way, at all. that's not a knock on Back to... I love Back to the Future,
0: right? Right. And it simplifies it. It makes it easy. So shout out right. to Bob Gale and Rob Zemeckis because they made it easy and fun. Shane Carruth's like, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to make it extra complicated and just swirl in all this
1: stuff to confuse everybody. But you know what the thing is? I don't think he tried to make it... I don't think he set out to make it complicated. I think he set out... No. I think he, he had the, the general idea, and he, he went with it, and he wrote it, how it logically would play out, and it just happens to be very complicated.
0: Yes, I agree. Let's get back to this diagram. Do you have it up on okay. Wikipedia? I do. You just pull up a Wikipedia, and then you'll see the diagram. Yep, I so got it. there's a So there's a machine, as Alan described. The person activates a delayed switch. So I don't know what that means. It, the, then it means the machine will turn on after a certain amount of time, 15 minutes. The machine will activate the mean the machine starts and the, and the double exits.
1: Okay. Okay. Just just
0: stay with me. Now we have two paths, divergent paths, right? Oh, the original. Yes. Okay. So the double has six hours of influence on both his new timeline and his original timeline. While the original waits out six hours of subjective time as he travels into the past, becoming his double. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Original enters the box, joining the looped time stream inside, prepares entry, like going and checking stock prices, uh, avoids uh, causative action. I'm so lost it's this is tough. Um, I'm so lost. It, and so this is how I felt how I'm reading this to everybody and the listeners, how you're feeling now saying to yourself, what the hell is Gabe even talking about? He sounds like he doesn't he's not making any sense. He sounds it, like he's speaking it, gibberish.
1: Yes, and that's kind of and that's kind of how I felt the entire time. Uh, the video that i that I watched is called primer 2004 illustrated explanation and it's by london city girl is the name of the youtube user classic research right there that's a yeah classic research That's great. it actually it makes it a little bit easier because it is all animated out and the way it's explained is kind of it's dumbed down as much as possible it's still very confusing but there are uh i would i would recommend people go check that out it's like 23 minutes but watch the movie first you'll be confused as hell then go watch that. Then check out the, uh, the the diagram on Wikipedia. And then maybe we're starting to inch closer to, to kind of grasping it. I think I get the general concept and the, the general ideas of the story. Uh, the minutiae of the time travel and all that kind of stuff, I don't quite understand. Just think of
0: it as it's a looped time travel. So it's a looped time travel. There's a, there, there, there is a clock on... On board, it it happens within a very specific allotted amount of time. There's something to do with that somewhere in there. It's looped. It can only go. It's it's amount of hours into the future, and then it loops back, and then amount of hours in the future. You think about Back to the Future. They can go forward, and then they're just in that time and space, and they just kind of progress naturally through that time and space. And then they just find a way back and then it resets whatever they did. The cause effect resets back to where they were here. It's this interesting, just think of it as a loop. I'm not, I'm not making, not, not sure that I completely understand, but it's not the same concept as back to the future. It's a loop right.
1: time travel. It, it is a loop. So picture it as a circle. So if you get in the box, you are on the right side of the loop and you're going forward at the same time so your double is coming backwards while you're going forwards. right on the your 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 double is coming backwards on the other side of the loop if that makes any sense yes it, th- that's the way i understood it and that's the that's it that that i that got me a little bit closer to understanding it i'm never going to quite get it but that's about as close as i can get
0: and here's what i'm going to read and then we'll move on we'll move on
1: past this okay it's science man it's science it, it really is it's it's a lot of theoretical science and it's Uh, For for brains that work this way, I think this is endlessly fascinating. Endlessly fascinating and also
0: probably much simpler for them to comprehend. Here we go. Quick read on this and then we'll move on from this, this thing. Abe uses the box to travel six hours into his own past. As part of this process, original Abe sits in a hotel room so as not to interact or interfere with the outside world, after which original Abe enters the box, waits inside the box for six hours. He's thus going back in time, six hours, and becomes future Abe, who travels across town, explains the proceedings to his friend, Aaron, brings Aaron back to the self-storage facility, where this is where they house the box, At the end of the overlap time span, original Abe enters the box and ceases to exist.
1: Oh God, now now I thought I had it. I
0: had it until ceases to exist and then I got confused because I thought these doppelgangers were looping constantly.
1: I thought they were too.
0: So this is where, anyway, uh, the timeline can be confusing. I think this is uh, the, the one... Uh, foul that I have with the movie, right? Which is basically, uh, and 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 uh, uh, props to, to Shane for not wanting to dumb it down and kind of staying true to himself. I mean, as a, as a storyteller, you want to stay true to yourself. You wanna you want to stay true to the authentic voice that you're creating, and you don't want to you don't want to water it down for whatever way that is for the audience. You want to keep true to it. However, Inception's easier to understand than this movie. I never thought Inception was and it, well, confusing. Well, it's not, not overly confusing, right? And the point being there is that if you were to compare the two, and I'm not comparing them in terms of scope of a film, but in terms of concept and storyline, um, just in terms of science and kind of breaking something down and time and space and things like that. I know they're not the same thing, but I just mean he, Nolan's able to lay it out pretty clearly and articulately. And this one, it just gets me lost. And as a result of that, here's my cry. As a result of that, I'm trying to play catch up while things are moving forward. Right. So th- the plot is going and I'm pretty engaged. It's a good movie. And so I'm trying to figure it out while as things move constantly with momentum and I can't catch up.
1: I. I that's a very eloquent way to put it. That, that explains my entire experience watching primer we're like in our
0: own way alan in our loop we're trying to catch up while l- we're living in the present while going in the past of this storyline trying to calculate the past of the storyline while our future self as or the present self is trying to figure out what's happening in the past right exactly it's exactly. all convoluted it's uh,
1: it's uh, it's and then i cease to is, exist i'm out and then (laughs) i'm done man that's what i mean when i say i think this move i think it broke my brain i I really think it broke my brain because i just wasn't right after watching this i just i feel like I'm, i'm too stupid for this world now
0: one thing we can say is that they're basically a bunch of young young tech heads who kind of work normal, quote-unquote, jobs during the day. And then they're running a, uh, a, an entrepreneurial venture in their garage at night. And they're trying to figure out another, another thing. And then as a happenstance, they run across this concept of, of time travel through this machine that they create. Um, I also read somewhere that Abe and Aaron, uh, the, 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 uh, the premise of this story – and where Carruth was trying to really go outside of the technical and the scientific was about a relationship between two friends that ultimately gets disrupted and dissolved because of, because of all these com- these complexities.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I do like the friendship between them. The, the thing, I'm, these are both first time actors, right? And I guess, uh, Shane Carruth auditioned like a hundred people to play Aaron and he didn't find anyone he liked so he cast himself in it and Abe the guy who played Abe is a first time actor too so they did i thought they did pretty admirably for being for this being their first experience ever acting but it's not it's not great acting and it took me out of it a little bit i think um i think you really they w- and I know the budget was so small that they couldn't go out and and hire some some big name and I'm not expecting that but I think it would have served the movie better to have someone with a little bit more acting chops in both these roles
0: yeah I mean you know when when we go in and really start dissecting it I don't know that it's so much a knock on Carruth I think once again I'm patting him on the back for the accomplishment right. but I agree with you I think the I mean there are things that can take you out if you're not a uh uh, a pure enthusiast or a movie buff, so to speak, you may not enjoy the film because you. There's two things. One is the complexity of the storyline, but then secondly, is the acting is a little bit askewed, a little bit off. It doesn't feel natural, so to speak, and and then additionally, there's some technical elements of the film that can draw you out when it comes to sound or dubbing, and when you, you know, I'm, I'm trying to position myself outside of my, of me. Like for me, I'm, I can let those things slide because I understand what goes into the craft of filmmaking. I I know you're the same way, but I think as, as a, I hate to say this, but as a, as a, as a, as a person who's not, when you grow up in a culture where everything's polished, everything's Disney plus, everything's perfectly produced Uh, And if you're not interested in film beyond those kind of well-polished pieces, this may not be the film for you for those reasons, because the acting's a little bit off. And also there's technical things that throw you off when it comes to sound design and and other
1: elements. Yeah, no, I I agree. And to me, the fact that it wasn't polished is what really endured me to the film. Yeah, I'm with you. That's why I was into it.
0: In contrary to that, those that are more in, in align with us, then you're going to be endeared to it for those reasons because you like the raw and the visceral and the and the gritty so to speak
1: yeah it's just that amateur independent spirit and you don't it's not often these days with with the technology being so advanced that you look at a film and you just you can just feel that you can just feel that aesthetic just pouring out of the film just the independent spirit and like we're just gonna We're just going to put it all together or slap it together with bubble gum and and scotch tape, you know, and that's just that's what this movie is. And this is really a a filmmaker's film. Like, it really is. And I can see why it did so well at Sundance because of that. Uh, I just I I kept thinking and it's kind of it's really stupid to say, but I kept thinking, man, they just don't they just don't make independent movies like they used to, you know, because they don't have to. So why would they? But it's still I still miss that that thing, that just that amateur spirit. Yeah, this is
0: another thing about the era. You know, you're talking about two thousand four, which means sometime in oh three they're they're filming this thing or sometime in months before that. So two thousand three you have you don't have full blown H D cameras. The technology's not what it is when it comes to high res cinema grade type cameras that are reasonably affordable. I mean, he's actually shooting on film stock. So, they, but you're right. They actually aren't making those types of films anymore because, like you said, there's really no need to. I found an interesting quote. I want to get what you think about this. He said in a 2004 interview, Caruth, the director and the, the main actor, said, uh, the machine that Abe and Aaron uh, build and experience is inherently complicated. And so it needed to be that way in the story in order for the audience to be where Abe and Ar- where Abe and Aaron are, right, in confusion or kind of under, misunderstanding. And that was always his hope. So he actually uh, in intentionally made it hard to understand because I think his perspective was, I want to put you in Abe and Aaron's shoes uh, and experience what they're going through as they're going through because they're even unsure. And you can see that in the characters uh, about why it's happening necessarily. And they're trying to discover and figure out why. So I think he did well there because he definitely confused me in that regard.
1: <laughs> yeah, bravo! <laughs> he succeeded. I was confused the whole damn time. What? Uh, um.
0: I had a couple. I have a few questions here for you. Okay. Okay. Uh. uh let me pull these up. I'll edit this section out. Here's here's an interesting one. It's kind of a main question. This is one that you you kind of just it's either easy to understand or it's not. If you were to take something as basic as Star Wars, and I asked you the question, "What's the how would you describe the main character and what are their goals?" It's pretty easy once the the journey begins to understand what Luke's goals are, right, and where he's trying to go, uh, and what problems that he faces. That is not a complex script; it's very traditional in that sense. But if I was to ask you in this film describe the main characters. How would you describe the main characters and what are their goals? What are they trying to accomplish?
1: What are they doing? I don't know because I sense, especially with, with Aaron, I sense his motivation changing constantly. Uh, He's got a family. His family doesn't seem all that important to him because at one point he's fine with just skipping town and leaving him behind. And even though another version of Aaron would be there with them, he, it's, it sounded like he's fine just leaving him. Uh, so it's not, it's not to do right by his family. Um, I don't even know if it's to do right by at one point he wants, he, he tries multiple times to stop a guy who barges into a, a party with a shotgun. And, and that's to I don't, prevent
0: I, the killing
1: or the, right? Is that, is that a killing of the girl? I don't know. I couldn't tell if anyone died. I don't think anyone died when, when it happened, but he continually went back in time to stop this event from happening. And I don't know if he was really trying to stop something bad from happening or if he was trying to perfect, uh, the, the craft of going back in time and altering right. an event. And so I think, really, I think to me, with Aaron, and as I'm talking through him, it's becoming a little bit more clear. I think, I think his motivation is more to be able to understand and experience this thing more. I think, I think his whole life becomes about journeying through time and using the box, and that that becomes his driving force. That's that's kind of my impression. I, I don't know though, because I'm not. It's not real clear cut. I mean, what were your thoughts? No, I think that's a good point because as, we, as, as you're looking at it,
0: going, okay, what are his? You 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 almost think to some extent maybe it's a financial gain of some sort because they do play that they play into that they play into the what I what we'll call the almanac theory from Back to the Future Two, right. where they're trying to get uh, the 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 money. There's even a basketball uh, where they're calling the bets on a game. Yeah, thought, I thought that was pretty. Thought cool. you'd like that. There's some basketball yeah. in there for us, but uh, so I thought maybe there's a financial thing they're trying, and they even talk about what would you do if you had X amount of money, and how would you spend it, and what how would you go about life. So I thought maybe that's what it was, but I think you're onto something. Where, uh, and additionally to what Caruth said, which was like I wanted to make this confusing for the viewer as it is for the character, and I think Aaron. Who is going back in time, like you said, because he's trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure out the complexities of what this thing is and how to perfect it and how it works even more detailed than he already knows currently, you know, so that could be part of his motivation. And, uh, cause I don't know that money really is the big draw.
1: Yeah, I don't think it is. I, I, I just think it's, it's it might just be having that power. I, I don't know what it is. And with Abe, I'm really confused. I don't know what Abe's motivation is at all. Yeah, there's something to do there with... Isn't there the, the girl
0: he has, someone in his life? Am I off there? So,
1: Because <laughs> this is no, where we got... I think you're right. Again, this is, this is part of, of, I think, where the writing uh, struggles a little bit. There might be a little faulty writing here because there's a lot of implication going on in the dialogue. And they discuss things that are very vague. That the characters understand, but we're not clued into it all. I don't know. So that girl whose ex brings a shotgun to the party, I think that was Abe's love interest. That's what I assumed. Yes. But also her dad, there, there's, there's a theory, and this came from me watching that video. Uh, it, he might just be using her because her dad is, has a lot of money and can invest in whatever inventions they're, they're creating. So it might be that he's not even interested in her, he's just more interested in getting close to her dad. Yes. Okay. And I and I think, I think the dad fair. I think the dad is the guy who they saw sitting outside the house who may have used their time travel machine.
0: Yes, that's what I concurred cuz there's there's one point where they're traveling down and they notice that uh, her dad is somehow following them and he's unshaven. He's not. He looks different. He somehow, somewhere in the past, entered the box or the machine. Right. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but again, there, there's never a point where they're like, where, where there's any exposition, being like, "Oh, this is so and so, and this guy's important because of this." You know, there's none of that. Not. They don't even do it subtly. They just they speak about these characters and these events as if we should already know what, what they are. Right. I think, I think it's becoming a little bit
0: more clear. Uh, If you look, one thing I found interesting here is you look at the the definition of time travel. So I want to read this definition of time travel. It's very, very basic. I think it's watered down for, for guys like us. (laughs) It's just (laughs) the basic, basic definition. (laughs) Time travel is the concept of movement between certain points in time, analogous to movement between different points in space by an object or person. Right? And then it's typically done through a device known as a machine. So it, it it's making a look there is doppelgangers, right? Cause Abe and and, and and um Abe and Aaron, not Aaron, uh Aaron, yeah. yeah, Abe and Aaron are moving through time, uh, one one on one timeline, one on another. So they're moving in different spots on time. They're basically doppelgangers. They're they're mm-hmm. they're two people moving at this one person, but in two different points in time. Right. So I think that makes a little more sense to me because they then they come back to the loop. I don't know
1: about the ceasing to exist. That one's still. Yeah that one I don't get because I I think that is indirect it seems conflictual uh, but uh, it's very it's in direct conflict with with what happens in the movie because and again this video I watched explains it a little bit better because they label each each uh Abe and Aaron that comes out when they come when they come back to their regular time each Abe and Aaron that, that comes out of that box they label as a different error. like they emerge, yes. they start as, as Aaron zero and they emerge as Aaron one. And I think they got up to like six Aaron's and like five abes or something like that. And so to me, it, it makes a little bit more sense that way. Plus they kind of betray each other a little bit and they're dishonest with each other. And, uh, you see them having direct interactions with their fort, with their original doubles. So that's why the, the ceasing to exist thing, I don't understand that because it's in direct conflict with what we're seeing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I just, when we're reading that diagram, it says that. And I'm like, what, is that? what does
1: that mean? Yeah, I don't get that. L- let me ask you this
0: question. Uh, and I think you bring up a good point, which is you got to remember when you're watching this that there are multiple versions of these characters uh, happening at the same time. I don't know. Once if,
1: you get that, that'll clue you into a lot. Yeah, I
0: think that'll help. Uh, here's an interesting one. What do you think...
1: A psychologist would say about these characters, even and Aaron. Oh my God. I have no idea. That's a really good question. You gotta you gotta be thinking about something. I mean like you have you have to have some sort of idea. we ta- this is the one one of the things that I have a
0: difficulty getting behind is you have so much power in your hands. And I like the way that he makes it realistic in, in terms of their conflict. They're unsure what to do it with that power. I mean, I keep reverting back to it, but Biff is very clear what he wants to do with the new power. He wants right. to make money, period, point blank. That right. seems like a pretty simplified version of what about every one of us, at least to some extent, would think about right. the financial gains. So they do think about that, but there's something else going on here. No, there's something deeper to beyond the financial gains, like you've already mentioned. But I'm wondering what they would, what a psychologist would say about these characters. Are I don't they, know. are they self-important? I don't... Are they uh, not? They're not sociopath, but are they
1: narcissistic? Are they? Uh, wh- I would say there's, there's. I mean, maybe, maybe this is simplifying it too much, but I would say there's probably some sort of narcissism in there, or maybe even you know, just delusions of grandeur, or, or striving to be a great person. And, you know, when, when Abe says, I'm going to show you the single most important thing that anyone's ever seen ever or something along those lines that kind of clues you in a little bit, I think.
0: Because at the end of the film, this is a little bit of a spoiler. If you haven't watched it yet, uh, this kind of takes me into, to that, that idea is that Abe's at the end and he's uh, shouting a bunch of orders to uh, a bunch of foreigners. He's either in like Europe or France or port, wherever he's at. And he's shouting a bunch of orders and the orders are basically like to they're building a, a warehouse of this box, this machine. The only thing I can assume is that a warehouse is going to fit multiple, pe- hundreds of people. So you have right. this power of taking taking hundreds and dozens and dozens of people with you on this time traveling journey. There's a sense of power there, no? And now you're completely... Us uh, um, consumed by this idea of traveling in time and, and, and showing
1: that power to other people. Which is interesting because earlier on, Aaron didn't want to tell anybody. They have two other people who are involved in their little incubator or, or whatever, or, you know, who are, who are working in the garage to invent stuff and, uh, and, and sell it eventually. And Aaron doesn't want to tell them, he doesn't want them clued in at all. He wants his power all to himself. So that's why it's kind of interesting at the end when he is, he's got a lot of people working there and he's obviously building something to make it a big grand thing. And it's interesting that now he wants to bring other people in on it. And I, I just got to wonder to what end, what is his end game with this? Cause I don't, I don't know what you're going to get out of bringing more people that kind of kind of destroys the, the whole allure of it, right? Like the whole point of doing it is that you can manipulate situations and you can get, good at it and if you clue all these other people in you lose that power because now anyone can do it
0: yeah it seems uh, he's trying to democratize the power and I'm right. not sure entirely why uh, and so maybe it's not narcissism because if you were narcissistic you think you would hold on to that power as tight as possible
1: yeah and that's that's why I say it's these characters are kind of confusing yeah but in a way that it's, it's more realistic. They're not just tropes. Yeah. They're, they're not, not so sure that, I mean, that's one thing I do like is that the characters definitely,
0: uh, like we talked about, they're visceral. And so they have, uh, back and forth and internal conflict and they struggle with who to be and what they're trying to become. And they're uncertain. And those makes that makes it real. And, and I like that.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I... I, I I agree Were, did you feel like you maybe you had a better sense of, of who these people are who these characters are? No I think I, f- I think for me that's I think like we've been talking about like it's'm I'm,
0: I'm, I'm kind of still uncertain what what their motivations might be. I mean I think we've established the fact that they had a little bit of financial gain p- potential uh, a little bit of power and then all of a sudden they want to democratize it. So yeah. there's
1: there's all these back and forths, of their approach. I'm not sure. I'm I, not sure who they are. I also think there's something about them doing this together that really appeals to both of them. They're obviously very good friends. And so I think having this little secret and doing this thing together, I think was really, that was fun to see because you could tell they, they really enjoyed kind of having this between them. And then as soon as the relationship deteriorated, that's when Aaron started bringing other people in. So maybe it's like, maybe he just enjoyed doing it with Abe. And now that that's not a thing anymore, I I don't know. No, that seems, that seems
0: right. Because I think it's one of those ideas where any entrepreneurial, uh, venture usually ends up in division. You know, it's like two, two people (laughs) go out, they start something. And then sure enough, before it blows up or as it starts to blow up, there's a huge conflict and divide.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, might be something to that. And it doesn't
0: seem entirely uncommon, especially in the tech world. It's like, look at Steve jobs and Steve Wozniak. It's like, that's like the epitome of two people who started something and fell apart. Like, and and Mike,
1: Mark Zuckerberg with pretty much everybody. Exactly. So
0: it feels like it's a pretty, pretty common theme among the tech world. Um, what, uh, what is, Oh, here we go. Um, (laughs) Uh, okay. Pretty basic questions here that I have. Um, I was, I had one. What didn't you understand about the movie? I think we've covered that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what did you like best and what did you like least? Um, I, again, it's not even necessarily a part of the film. I just, like I said, I really enjoyed the independent nature of, of the entire thing. I love the aesthetic of it. And I loved some of the dialogue, even though I didn't know what the hell was happening. I liked that. Like, I I thought, I thought that was fun. I, I, I really was put off by how, like you said, trying to catch up. You spent the entire movie trying to catch up. I I did not like that at all. That was not enjoyable to me. Okay. Um, So
0: now I got this question for you, which leads into this pretty well. If you had a chance to ask one of the characters in the movie, a question, what would it be?
1: You can ask uh, Abe or a- uh, Aaron a question. What do you ask him? I would ask Aaron what he did with original Aaron <laughs> after he put him in the attic. Cause he's in the attic the rest of the time. And I would like to know what ended up happening to, to original Aaron. A- original Aaron is in the attic. He's in the attic. He's been knocked out. He's been shoved in the attic. And that's why that's when uh, Aaron's wife is saying, I hear I hear, uh, and he says it's rats up or or she says it's it's rats. rats. He says it's birds, even though he knows it's, it's him, (laughs) but I want to know whatever happened to him. What, what about you? If you could ask any of them, anybody, Uh, what would, uh, I'd also want to know why the guy was bringing in a shotgun to a party, but that's kind of beside the point. But who, what (laughs) question would you ask them? Well, unfortunately in our days and times
0: that might be not entirely uncommon in a sad commentary on our social environment. But uh, I think the question I would ask first is to Aaron, uh, what the hell, dude, (laughs) let
1: me clarify. (laughs) 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 I'm already, I'm already following you. (laughs) Why?
0: What's with the family here? What are we doing? Like that, that's the big, that's one of the biggest ones for me is the question of like, you have a daughter. Where's your kid? What are you doing? You, All the doppelgangers are non-present. It feels there might be one in there. It might be Aaron two or three. I'm not sure where right. the, he's in the family. But then how do you as one of the other Aaron's as the first or the, the original Aaron not feel like, oh, I got to be in my daughter's life? Like I don't What what's the family situation? What's this dynamic you've created
1: is basically what I'd ask him. So, and this is a question I had for you that that actually transitions well. So if you, if, if another Gabe showed up and another Gabe is like, Hey, I got this. I can take care of the family and it's you. So you know that they're capable and you know that they'll take good care of your family. Um, and it allows you to just, to just, I don't know, go to Mexico or wherever with Ted Cruz and hang out uh, during the ice storm. Uh, would you be okay with that? Or would you just, would you miss your family and not want to give that up?
0: You have to think that the emotions are still real. So even original you is going to feel like, look, not to get overly, overly sentimental here, but when I, when we moved to California, there was a transition there where I was by myself while my family was still coming over. And there was months there where I was just by myself. I hated it there's an emotional uh, valley that's created. You feel, you know, you you miss them a ton. So I I would imagine even if you knew they were in good hands, which I felt like they were, I had some family here and things like that. And even though it wasn't me, still felt that gap. So you would imagine
1: that the original, the OG would still feel that. Yeah, because you, you, Even though you are with them, you, actual you, there's a separation there. You don't get to see them. You don't get to hug your kids. You don't get to see them go to school and and help them with all, like, you don't get that. This is where the narcissism
0: might come into play because he's so dedicated to whatever he's
1: doing for himself that he can let that go. Yes, I agree. I mean, we've all been, we've all, we've all probably devoted too much time to a project or to to a job or, or a gig or something and miss something like a birthday. I, I know I I've been on shoots out of town. Like for there was like three or four years there every year I would have this gig pop up and I would have to leave for a shoot uh, on my son's birthday. And I hated it, you know, and I, I wish I could take that back. So I think everyone has that, but I think in the end that you, you real, it makes you realize what's more important and it's, I, I just don't, to me, when he, when he was just like, yeah, I'm leaving because other Aaron has this, it was like, dude, that's, that's pretty messed up, man. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's my that. question. What the hell, dude? Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, well, look, we've covered w- what we can <laughs> when it comes to yes. the breakdown of the
1: storyline.
0: When you finished watching the film, what were you thinking?
1: Uh, I, I was thinking I'm, I'm very confused. I was hoping for some sort of explanation at the end. One word. what? <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> what? And, but not necessarily in a bad way. I mean, kind of it, it, but I enjoyed it. I, this is the, this is why it's so perplexing to me is because I enjoyed the film. It was it was good. It's fun. I, mean, I don't want to say fun. it's it's enjoyable. It's a good experience to watch it. I, I I don't know what the hell happened, and I had to get, I had to let it sit and see if I if I could digest it, and then I went to to good old trusty YouTube to answer all my questions.
0: Of course, of course, that's a that's a good place to go. Uh, not recommended for entry level time travel theorists. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, that's how that's how I feel. Um. Well, look. Uh, let's get into some of these reviews because I'm curious to what... I'm almost more curious to what other people are thinking about this film than whatever the hell we're talking
1: about. Me me too. And, and before we do that, I would ask anyone listening, I, please, please, we say this for every film we watch, but definitely go watch this because I would love to hear what everyone else is thinking about this. Uh, I would love to hear what people what their theories are. I would love to hear if you understand it. I would love to hear if if this is the type of movie that is too frustrating to enjoy for you. Uh, Because I got a feeling there's going to be lots of different feelings, uh, lots of different thoughts going on about this. I I think it's going to be a divided jury for this one. Um, So, I mean, get in touch with us and go to TameAperture.com and, and find us there. And we're on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff too.
0: Yeah, I, as I'm scrolling through the Google reviews, by the way, we need a little uh, song here. Google reviews, Google reviews. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we'll, we'll come up with that. But, but as I'm scrolling through, Alan, what's, what I find interesting is, is a lot of five stars here. A lot of five stars. In, hmm. So That's interesting. Um, I'm just going to read off of the first few. I am just shocked by how good this movie is. Okay, we're going to leave that there. Okay. Okay. Simply ar- wow! Exclamation. This was one of those sci-fi movies that respect the fiction in it and makes us wonder what the movie was about.
1: It was a really good and challenging movie. I think this this film might actually bring out the, the film nerds and the science nerds. What an amazing movie!
0: When I first watched this, my first impression was quotations, man, this movie looks like it has like no budget and it's probably going to be bad. (laughs) Oh man, oh man, was I wrong. Man, oh man. Well, about the movie being bad part, the budget of this movie was actually really low, but this movie
1: was fantastic. Fantastic. That, I, that's great. And I'm, I'm glad that there are a lot of great reviews. I want to know why people like this so much. I can say Primer is the second greatest
0: time travel film ever made. Number one is Tenant. Tenant? I, I, I still haven't seen Tenant. Number three is Predestination. Never seen that. Primer is so damn underrated that people don't even know its name, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) That's true.
1: (laughs) I would agree with that. Okay,
0: here we go. We've got, (laughs) finally, we get into a two-star here, the previous all being basically four stars, or uh, five stars. Two-star. Eight months ago. It's too boring. Tried to watch it too many times. Tried to watch it many times, but couldn't finish it. It was way too boring and probably not for me. Even though I'm a huge fan of these types of movies and the concept of the time machine, I don't know what went wrong, frowny face. Did you think this was boring? I don't think it's boring. I don't think it's boring. Yeah, and this guy, he says he's a huge fan of these type of movies so why doesn't he like it because that doesn't it's contradictory in his review yeah it doesn't make any sense wait a minute it says i'll give it another shot after a couple years for sure
1: <laughs> yes yes he's not turned off all the way that's hilarious
0: uh 22 people <laughs> found that useful if twenty-two people found that useful, twenty-two oh people should be finding this podcast useful. Yeah, seriously. Good God! Oh, that I was, love. These I love. By the so way, much. that was great. I'll give it another shot after a couple years for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, let's do a couple more. Really having a hard time here. A lot of a lot of five stars. Here's a five star, although it is hard to fully understand the real timeline, and the plot line of this movie on the first try, I can't appreciate the thought that went behind it. After Googling some explainers, I realized that the time travel logic in the movie is concrete and well-defined.
1: I think that's probably true. I am not a scientist. I'm not a physicist. I don't know, but I would imagine... It seems like it's solid logic to me.
0: Yeah, I don't know that that, uh, I would disagree with that. Okay, last one, two-star. Concept is really great, but low budget and no special scene or briefing about the facts they are talking makes the movie boring for 2020. They will be talking on whole movie, so you need to hear the whole talking to... Okay, I apologize. I probably sound like I'm making fun of someone that obviously doesn't speak English as a first language. I know.
1: Yeah, I know. And that's that's the hard thing because I end up laughing at these and then halfway through it, I'm like, oh, yeah. This-
0: I'm, so first off, props to writing a review in in what sounds to be a second language. I, I can only imagine trying to write a review in Spanish or whatever language right. I might try. But your, right. your two-star review did not help.
1: So. But also... Props to you for trying to watch this movie if English is not your first language. Oh, my goodness. Hell, yes. I, I mean, I can't. I tried to turn on subtitles. I do that a lot when I, when I don't understand what's happening because sometimes it'll spell it out a little bit easier. And they didn't even have subtitles for this on, on Amazon. So I couldn't even do that. Oh, they did. I watched it on Amazon. I have subtitles on mine. Really? I, I looked. I, I couldn't find it. Maybe I'm just too dumb.
0: Okay, last one, two star. Either the story is confusing or the director was bad. A movie only a PhD in physics would understand. 99% of people who had watched this movie don't understand. So why bother at all? This movie is made for a selected smart people.
1: I I kind of agree with some of that. There's some truth in there, but but I don't know if if it just means the director's bad. I don't think that makes any sense. I
0: think the exact opposite. I think the direction is fantastic, actually. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Alan, we start to round this one out just a little bit here. Give me uh, a little bit of your summary and kind of where you fall on a rating for this film. Kind of
1: give me those last thoughts. Can I do like... uh, one piece of trivia real quick yeah hit it hit it with okay. the trivia <laughs> i like this one so ryan johnson who directed looper yes um he mentioned i guess in the director's commentary of looper that uh he thinks that primer is the best time travel movie ever made but when he sent the script to looper to shane Carruth, Carruth told him all his time travel was wrong <laughs> 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 I just think that's kind of funny. Uh, I uh, actually liked Looper.
0: I thought Looper was a good,
1: a good movie. I think I fell asleep through it, and not because it was bad. I think it was just it was a late night or something.
0: It's one of those.
1: Yeah. But uh, I, I just thought that was kind of funny that Shane Carruth is now viewed as the expert in time travel for, yeah. for Hollywood directors. He's
0: the modern-day Doc Brown. Yeah, he is. He
1: is. <laughs> um, uh, one more thing that I thought was, was, pretty, was pretty cool. Uh, So they they were scrimping for cash on this thing. $7,000 budget. Most of it goes to film processing. Uh, They shot 80 minutes worth of footage. And this film is 77 minutes long. So they were like, there was nothing left on the cutting room floor, essentially. There's
0: no meat and there's pure precision on on
1: execution of filming. I mean, that gives you... No freedom in the editing room. I can see that that could that could have caused a lot of headaches as well for him while he's cutting this thing. That's got to be so difficult. Oh yeah, he had nothing to work with. So uh, I, again, I liked the movie. I thought it was good. It's very confusing. Let me and let me just me, before you
0: jump in. Let me just read a couple uh, details here. Uh, principal photography took place over five weeks. It was filmed. In Dallas, Texas, the film was produced for $7,000, as we mentioned, on a skeleton crew of five people. And like like you mentioned, Cruth acted or uh, wrote, directed, produced, was the cinematographer, the editor, and the music composer. And he stars in the film. Um, And so a lot of things going on there. Uh, And then... What I think is cool is he wrote the score and you can actually buy the score on Amazon and iTunes. So that's cool.
1: That's very cool. Sorry. yeah. He did the production design too. He's the sound designer. I mean, he did everything. Yeah, Good really, God.
0: really, really impressive. Uh, t- yeah. Tip, tip of the hat there for sure.
1: Very cool. Very, very cool um okay yeah i mean i liked it it was good it's very good i I definitely recommend this movie especially if you're listening to this podcast you're a film buff you you enjoy movies it's definitely worth seeing i'm gonna def whether we check out upstream color or not which is his second feature i'm gonna certainly watch it because i thought his direction and his debut was was that fantastic and i've heard originally when i chose this movie i was gonna choose upstream color but then I thought, well, you know, kind of the theme is is first time director. So we'll do his first feature first. And um, and that was this one. So I'm definitely going to check it out. I recommend everyone check it out. Very confusing, though. And that did, that, that was a little frustrating. I, I don't want to say it was off-putting, but it was frustrating for me. Uh, feeling like I was not caught up and I wasn't in on the story. And uh, it, it 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 irked me a little bit. So that knocked it down quite a bit. But... I definitely recommend watching it. I'm going to give it 7.0 Time Paradoxes.
0: Nice. 7.0. Not bad. Would not you? Bad. Would you watch the movie again?
1: Yes. I, I'm, I'm going to let it. I would certainly try it again in a couple of years. No. I would. Uh, <laughs> I would. Um, for sure. I, I'm going to, for sure. I'm to, for sure. I'm going to let it sit for a while. But I would say I, I'll definitely watch it again. Probably within a year.
0: Yeah, that's uh, 7.0. Uh, not bad. So IMDb comes in at 6.9, so just under your rating. Now, Rotten Tomatoes comes in at 72% for the critics and 79% for the audience. So not not it's definitely certified fresh on I would Rotten have, Tomatoes. I would have
1: guessed that those scores would be flipped totally.
0: Yeah, but then even when we were reading those reviews, I found it very interesting that a lot of a lot of them were four and five stars. Yeah,
1: it might be the audience that is going to actually find a movie like this, though. True, this is. I don't think this is on Netflix. I don't think people are going to just stumble upon it.
0: No, no, this is one, and that's what what I like about our podcast. We're trying to kind of stretch the portfolio of what people are viewing kind of get out of the big Hollywood system. Not that we don't enjoy those movies, we do, and we've uh, looked at those from time to time as well, but it's fun to watch these type of films that have that independent spirit. And for anybody listening, I think you will enjoy it for that reason if you like those type of films. If you don't and you can't get past those technicalities and you can't get past the complexity of the storyline and you're looking for that well-polished Hollywood movie, this is not it.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Very well said.
0: Two science geeks tinkering in their garage discover an unexpected application for a gadget, then dip a toe into a tricky field of time travel. That's interesting. So for me, Alan, going into this, I say, uh, uh, once again, tip of the hat to Shane Carruth, the filmmaker very curious that he hasn't done a whole lot since then I mean he could be doing other things it's not as though just because he's not directing films he's not working on uh, projects in some capacity or another right um, but uh, very interesting beyond the uh, up up is it upstream in color
1: up uh, upstream color upstream I
0: color his second feature film uh, beyond that not a whole lot like you mentioned does some acting. Uh, probably more prevalently than he's actually filmmaking and directing. So, uh, I'm coming in, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of things to, to unpack here and I really liked the movie. Do I think it lives up to the tagline on the movie poster? No, uh, no, uh, definitely not. Is it heady? And is it a great science fiction film in terms of the authenticity and the realism of what's happening? Yes, really well crafted in that way. Is it the best science fiction movie since 2001? That could be very debatable. Uh, But I see the definite definite, uh, 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 accolades that it got at Sundance. That's no small feat in and of itself to be a grand jury prize winner at or awarded uh, at Sundance uh, in 2004. That's a huge deal. So props off to Karuth for that. This film for me, uh, I'm gonna come in uh, slightly, actually above where you're at. A lot of things going into the the melting pot here for me to come up with this number, and we're gonna go 7.4. Rats in the attic.
1: Oh, good. That's nice. Pulling, man. pulling deep That's into the. Pull
0: to the story there.
1: This, this one didn't give us a lot to work with.
0: No, I mean, there's some things we could go with, but uh, 7.4 rats in the attic for primer. Uh, definitely interested to see the film again. Like you, uh, one of the barometers that we use, I would watch the film again, right? I would definitely watch the film again. And yeah, I'm going to put it on that two or three year list down the line. Uh, it's not one I'm going to rewatch immediately, but two, three years, I might rewatch this thing and uh, we'll see if the, if the score remains the same or it increases or it decreases because I somehow got smarter and I realized that Carruth's full of shit the whole time.
1: <laughs> that would be the ultimate thing. Like we, we study up, we, we study quantum physics and, <laughs> and theoretical physics and all this stuff. And then we revisit this thing, and we realize that he is just talking out of his ass.
0: Let's be be honest. (laughs) My research would consist of watching Multiplicity, watching Groundhog Day, (laughs) watching Quantum Leap, the TV series, watching Back to the Future, and then coming back to Primer and going, okay, Carruth's full of shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Quantum Leap, I like that. That's the best one.
0: Uh, I liked Quantum Leap when it was out in the I about loved it. When I was a kid, man, I
1: loved that show. It was a great show. It's a great show. It was. Uh,
0: okay. Well, four fledgling entrepreneurs knowing that there's something bigger and more innovative than the different error checking devices they've built, wrestle over their invention. Worst deliver I was gonna end with that summary from IMDB. Yeah. Awful. Get the shit out of here, IMDB. That makes no... That's not the movie. Doesn't it? What what movie's that? Because that's not Primer.
1: Does, does, did that even mention time travel at all? No. <laughs> it's like the selling point of the film. <laughs> like, what is that? That was garbage. Who writes this shit? That was garbage.
0: Intellectual engineers Aaron and Abe build and sell an error-checking technology... With the help of their friends Robert and Philip. We don't care about
1: Robert and Philip. What? They're, 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 there's no reason for them to even be in the movie.
0: I'm trying to end this damn podcast and I'm trying to read out what <laughs> these synopses are for, uh, and I can't get one. So, no. When, awful. when Aaron and Abe accidentally invent what they think is a time machine, Abe builds a version capable of transporting a human and puts the device to the test. As the two friends obsess over their creation, they discover the dark consequences of their actions.
1: There you go. That's better. That's, that's a perfect way to end it. That's a, that's a very good synopsis.
0: This is Gabe and Alan with the Tame Aperture podcast. Go check us out at tameaperture.com for future episodes <clears throat> and make recommendations on upcoming episodes. That's the worst sign out ever.
1: I hate it when that, when that happens. You like I, get into it and it's like, oh, where am I going? Dude, I just it's checked out right there. My mind yeah, just I, went I
0: somewhere entirely
1: different, dude. I hate it when that happens. That happens all oh the time. Oh, my
0: gosh. Okay, let me get myself together here. This is Gabe and Allen with the Tame Aperture Podcast. Go check us out at tameaperture.com. Follow us on all streaming platforms. For the most recent episode, Tame Aperture signing out. The Tame Aperture podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify and YouTube.